Hey, it's Craig from Revolution Radio. This is just a reminder. Can you hit that subscribe button? That way you never miss a new episode of Canadian AF. And now, Revolution Radio and Canadian AF are proud to announce we are the newest members of a collective of some of the planet's greatest content creators on the new Cryer Media family. You can check out all the goodies that Cryer Media has to offer, including this podcast, at Cryer.co. Once again, that's C-R-I-E-R dot C-O. Thanks so much for listening to Revolution Radio, and enjoy this podcast. right oh i completely forgot to rename the stream information wow way to go craig um by the way episode 55 yes thank you so much uh see uh canadian uh by the way we're actually live right now uh canadian as fuck episode we are canadian as fuck episode 55 right here on he just revolution us on radio canada i was every week it's it's 10 o'clock we gotta go we gotta go we gotta get that bus we gotta get bus because craig's throwing us under it that's right yeah (laughs) that's right it's a huge bus too but mm-hmm. it has a VIP section in the back. So that unlike the say, one you went to school in. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. If you're if you're alluding to a bus of a certain size, Derek. It was the driver Revolution, in you. That Revolution, the only two Revolution Radio Canada does not condone or uh, do we endorse any, <laughs> uh, anything that, that, that comes out of Derek's mouth. That, okay. that disclaimer that we have to put up. Canadian we AF, have a great Revolution we have a great Radio. One this week. We have Canadian a great AF this week. episode fifty-five. We are super freaking duper lucky to sit down with a fellow by the name of Trevor Hurst, uh, leader of a band that we've all completely adored for many, many, many a year yeah, now. Pro- yeah, like uh, thirty years. A band called <laughs> a Week and a Half. Gosh. So yeah, yeah, a week and a half, right, Derek? For sure. So uh, great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Great. Honestly, Trevor, thank you so much, brother, for for hanging out with us tonight. We greatly appreciate it. As you can tell, the show's already gone off the rails, and we just started. So, uh, good luck to you, my friend. Uh, I like that he's laughing. I like that he's having a good time already. Exactly. I'm already having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. We're Dimitri. piping. We're piping Trevor in from New Westminster, BC. Yes. And so, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, studios. Uh, yeah, we are definitely going to uh, to talk about where you are at and what you've got going on. We have we have we're all fans, my friend. We have a million questions for you, so we're going to get okay. things going. Uh, Dimitri, if we can uh, get an acknowledgement, please. Hey, Canadian as fuck would like to begin by acknowledging the indigenous indigenous peoples of all the lands that we're on today. While we meet tonight on a virtual pa- platform, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands we call home. And we do this to reaffirm our commitment and responsibility in improving relationships between nations, to improving our own understanding of local indigenous peoples and cultures, and to try to move forward in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration. Dimitri, you're awesome. Thank you very much, my friend. I'm all right. Appreciate it. I'm all right. You're awesome. You really are awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a tune here of this incredible freaking band and. One of the things that I've always adored about this this band, this artist, is the fact that they've got this amazing sound that has just woven throughout their entire career. We're going to find out from the man right below us how they managed to do this. Okay, so let's get things going, shall we? This is a song that I've, you know, sold several times on a little pokey radio station in Toronto. And managed to talk right up to the post. But I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to shut up now. Here's a Line crush, all that you are. Times three. Canadian as fuck. This is Revolution Radio Canada. If I said it, man, it I'm not really demanded. I'm just saying it's been sad again and again. Not that I'm overgrounded. I'm already confounded. I'm a liar, believe. If I ever regret it, if I'm ever repent 
Revolution Radio. We, we are Canadian as fuck in partnership with Cryer Media, and we are honored and privileged to have with us today the lead singer of Econoline Crush, Trevor Hurst. And that was that was the group, and that was the group's biggest hit um, yep. from from 1997. It actually peaked on the Canadian Airplay charts at like number 15 in uh, around the be- in the winter of 1998. Uh, but like uh, that, I remember that put them on a level with a bunch with like like there was a there was something going on in the late in the late nineties with like bands like I Mother Earth and Moist and Matthew Good Band and and like and Tea Party and Tea Party like they were like like all these Canadian bands were kind of peaking around the same time and like well, doing we, and doing something different, you know, do you remember, like, do you remember we talked about that, Dimitri? We talked about that, like a couple of, uh, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about that because like the mid to late nineties is when, when, uh, when grunge was really peaking and everybody, like everybody in the States was going that route, but yet we, uh, we in Canada had you guys, right. And, and, and tea party and, and like all them, and you guys were all doing like, nobody went, if if I remember correctly, there wasn't there weren't many like super Canadian grunge bands at that time. I don't think no. so. Which no. is strange, right? Because you would think yeah, somebody would have gone the, there. That would especially be the trend, especially right? like and like and you were West Coast. You're West Coast, so you think that like that like Vancouver would that would have like a whole bunch. Yeah. You know, what, you know what was really interesting though was like, okay, when we I, I had Seattle management at that time. And it was bizarre. Like you would go to really? say the croc. Oh yeah. Uh, it was Harris music group. They managed Queens, right? And like from, the, really? like from a Conlon crushes beginning. Well, what happened was I moved to Vancouver in uh, 90 with a band called one big union. They took on that management role of sauce. And then that band folded and they stayed with me. And then I formed a Conlon crush after. And when I formed a Conlon crush, I was still in Seattle and coming back up to Vancouver, doing stuff, coming back and forth. And it was it was interesting because there was a place where um, where you could go and have breakfast or whatever, and they encouraged you to write your favorite band and do a design on one of these uh, placemats, paper placemats with uh, crayons. <laughs> and like we would go, we would go there, and you'd we'd have lunch, and we'd look up on the wall, and some people had written a Conline Crush, and they'd done it and stuck it on the wall. Oh. And like, it was bizarre and nine inch nails. And uh, if you, I don't know if you remember from Chicago, Wax Tracks was making a ton of headway. Uh-huh. So grunge was taken off, but also so was nine inch nails. So was um, ministry was thrill, big at that point. Ministry, thrill, uh, my life with the thrill, thrill kill, kill cult. cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of there those. There was a yeah. ton of stuff going Great on. Stabbing, right? stuff from Stab, Wax Tracks. Stabbing sure. westward. So let me, well. let me, let me, let me ask yeah. you, let me ask you. Okay. So like you were going back and forth between Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah. And we all know what was going on in Seattle in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah. What, what, how different was the Vancouver music scene? Because you had like, you had skinny puppy going on and like still going on at that time. Yeah. And like, and I guess, I guess, well, you had 5440 who were still like, like doing like some really cool shit and too, but like, and I guess Brian Adams, but it's like, but, uh, but what else, but like, how different were the two scenes? Well, the scene in Seattle was, it was almost like it snowballed so fast. Like I was kind of doing a couple things. Um, I sang for this band called, or did a tryout for Sweaty Nipples. Do you remember those guys? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) What a great band name. All right, tell us about, all right, more more information about Sweaty Nipples. uh, Well, okay, uh, (laughs) the producer, Kelly, Kelly, oh my gosh. He's in, he, uh, he, he, he produced Candlebox. Uh, but he was in the band at the time. Mm. And uh, I think he's in Queens right now. Damn, what is his last name? I forget. Mm. But like, okay, so I was like trying to form a band down there at the same time as trying to put Conline Crush together. I just was trying to get something going. And I put an ad in the stranger down there for a guitar player. And I didn't get a response from anybody from the state of Washington or Oregon. But I got okay. from Atlanta, from Boston, like uh, from uh, New York, uh, Chicago, like you would go to a club. There would be more A and R guys there than there would be band be fans. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it was nuts. And and uh, the people were just coming to Seattle by the by the loads. Like Absolutely, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. 
And we used to go get like, we used to go pick up our curb or whatever we needed at this rehearsal space. And there'd be Alice in Chains playing in one, Soundgarden in the other, Grunt Truck over here, Tad over here. It was insane. It was just amazing. Like it was wild. To, the scene was. And you were in the fun. middle of all of that. Like that's oh, yeah. incredible, man. So how like different, it. how different was Vancouver from that? Well, Vancouver was sedate, but you know, it was still happening. Like there was a bunch of bands that were kind of, they just didn't get the fame, but there was like, uh, Pluto. Remember they got signed. Absolutely. Yep, of course. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Yep. yep. There was the, something about the machine, uh, like that. What's the name of Scooby-Doo's van? Mystery machine. Mystery machine. Yeah. Okay. They were on, they were, on, they were signed at that time. There was uh taste. I think there was, there was a lot of bands. They just didn't quite get there like but they were close you know like and and the scene was exciting but it was more you're right like the network records had a huge influence on it with the skinny puppy the moves and those types of bands it wasn't as grunge and as dirty as seattle was really dirty yeah. like it was really nasty grunge like it was greasy <laughs> kelly but gray, but great Kel kelly gray is the name kelly gray right yes kelly gray nice. i remember he, he had a song and it was like the chorus was shake your money, shake your money, make her. Shake. So I'm singing it. And he goes, no, Trevor, it's shake your money, shake your money, make her. <coughs> okay. <laughs> shake your money, shake your money, make her. And makes like, all no. the difference. Yeah. Makes all the difference. That's, it's too hard, too you're, hard. You're, you're pronouncing the wrong syllable, Trevor. That's, that's a problem, right? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> syllable, the, emphasis. The, em mm. the emphasis was on the wrong syllable. That's, yes. That's right. the, <laughs> such a Canadian thing. Nobody in the States ever says that, by the way. <laughs> I can't believe you dug that up. Kelly Gray, yeah. And I think he's, is he currently playing guitar in, uh, in with the guys from Queensryche? Yep. But there's no he Jeff is. Tate in Queensryche now. Something weird has happened there. Jeff Tate yeah. is not in Queensryche? He is not in Queensryche. That Am would I wrong be, or right? Do you know what that would be like? That would be like a Connelline crush without Trevor Hurst. So I'm just saying. Uh, that's yeah. right. oh, I, There you go. Like, Right. Maybe they shouldn't be Queens, right? I don't know. I, yeah, I like. I have. I have opinions. Mike Wilton, Eddie, <laughs> Mike Wilton, Eddie Jackson, Mike Stone, Todd Latour, and Casey Grillo are current. They're they are current. Yeah, like legitimately. I'm, no I'm really Tate. quick with the Google foo. You are fast with I'm, the Googs. <laughs> I'm, I have Derek got, is a ninja. I've got three computers. I've got the one I'm talking on, the one in front of me, and this one beside me. Wow. So, yeah. Excellent. So. Purge comes out in 1993. Yep. Um, it has a it, like, so it has a very strong industrial feel. Yeah. So is so like is that so is it fair to say that Skinny Puppy were kind of a large influence on on Ecoline Crush at first? Yeah, and Frontline Assembly and Ministry and all of those bands. Like, and I loved Nine Inch Nails. Like when uh, Pretty Hate Machine came out, I just couldn't believe how. Oh. Like, oh. Like just, head like a hole was just what a like, record. Whoa. What a 1989. Yeah. 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 It was mind blowing. And like the cool thing about, okay, this is, so the, we didn't have the Google and uh, we, we covered, we covered killing joke, uh, psych. Oh, 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 so, so you. I, I love so, killing joke. Oh, right. And you. I, I'm a huge killing joke fan. Me too. So I'm, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to find out what the freaking lyrics are. And, uh, so, at the time, Mishi Me had that band with Paul Ray. Ragadeth. Yes. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Ragadeth. So yeah. somehow. We love, I love Ragadeth. We, right? Yes. We adore. One like the live, love like the. Anyway, so I'm like, I, I, I get somebody tells me this is Paul Raven's phone number. Phone him and ask him. So this is when I met Paul Raven, who was like up until his death. We were close friends through the whole thing. Oh. So I phone him up and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here in psych and i'm i'm i don't know if you know the lyrics or whatever and he's like that guy talks like he's got a mouthful of marbles i have no freaking idea <laughs> but i'll tell you i think there's something about nuns can fuck or something and then so i just kind of phonetically <laughs> you remember that you remember that like you know in psych it's like uh, i forget all the lyrics now we haven't played it in a while but yeah. I, I i i put i <laughs> i just like i was like from thailand or something you know at, at a cover bar just like winging it phonetically like just making the sounds because i didn't know what the words were so that recording <laughs> and it ended up going they took that recording and put it on a killing joke tribute album and jordy and uh, nobody said anything like <laughs> so i guess it was <laughs> <That's close>. amazing <laughs> i just i love the fact i'm so freaking out right now because like i say at the radio station i used to spin your music like all the time and you're talking yeah. about i have the 12 inch of psych 
No and way. I, and I think if if I'm not mistaken, I think the the 12 inch remix on the on the flip side is I think it was done by Flood. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah. So it's oh, it's like yeah. it's yeah. So it's it's basically psych the original and then the the flip side. It's one of those huge re, re, like uh, 90s remixers like Flood or Shep Pettibone. It's, it's it's somebody like that. anyway. It's it's you, you know what's awesome. amazing. Can we just just go into some side little thing here, a little rabbit hole with Min uh, with uh, Killing Joke? Paul Raven says like at around I don't know it's like in the 80s. Uh, what was it? What's the name of the singer? I'm, it's escaping me right now for Killing from Joke. Killing Joke. Yeah. Oh, oh God, Derek. Uh, he, yeah, you know, I, I don't. Paul Raven's the only one I remember, right? Because so there is a moment yeah. there where he's like, the world's going to end. Yeah. And we have to leave England and we have to go to Iceland. And Paul's like, I just joined the fucking band and this guy's now <laughs> taking us to Iceland. So Paul had dreads, like w- really long dreads. And he goes, Trevor, I didn't know if there'd be any weed in Iceland. Iceland didn't sound like it could grow anything. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm walking. Coleman. He goes, uh, jazz coleman yeah jazz because coleman. jazz is completely out of his mind he thinks the world's going to end so we have to go there he says i'm walking through the airport i've got so many condoms of hash in my stomach i'm going <laughs> oh he goes every dread every dread has fucking joints all the way down because he thought he was going to be without i mean he's so good at rolling joints he had a gig one time with donovan just his job was joint and raven right now here you go <laughs> Do you mean wow. Donovan as in hurdy gurdy man Donovan? Correct, sir. Are you serious? Yes, I what? am absolutely. Yes, he had that gig. He had that gig in, like, the, you? in the late in the 90s. Like he took a break and he did that. He flew on flights just to hung out with Donovan. And every time he said he needed to join, Raven would have him a joint. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That's, a, that's my... the best job ever. Also, Raven what a was. fucking great story. Like Raven, Raven, Raven was. Guy. Exactly. Raven was uh, Jim Kerr's guitar tech uh, and uh, kind of guy for a while, too. And he, he told me a great story about when uh, U2 opened up for Simple Minds. And I guess Bono was right out of control. And he goes, I remember Trevor following behind the two of them walking down the train set tra- tracks. And Jim Kerr is just giving it to Bono, like, stop being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Jim to try to get Bono back on that. Because all, all I can say is, is I, I'm sure, Trevor, you remember this period very well of you uh, of, um, two being out of control during the Octung baby period. But anyway, that's uh, yes. just so you know, uh, Trevor, you can actually check that out. We actually did a deep dive on you two. And yeah. episode two was literally the entire episode was on Octoon Baby. <laughs> Literally the entire episode was Octoon Baby. So anyway. Had to be. Yeah. It had to be. It had, it had to. to be. And everybody be. everybody here was actually in that episode. So by the um, way, Trevor, just so you know, the line you were looking for from Psych is a priest of masturbation. A priest, yeah, to the nuns you fuck. Bingo. <laughs> Love it. And so, that's and the and only another, time and nuns and are mentioned in that song. And another thing. And another <laughs> yeah. thing is a I thought that everybody knew that the Vikings purposely switched the reputations of Greenland and Iceland so that more people would be fooled into going to Greenland and leave Iceland alone. Really? Really? I did not know that. I didn't know. I that. thought that that was why they, they they named the things like the way that they did. Okay. Did you just make that up, Dimitri? No, I did oh, not. Okay, all right. So that's a this fact. is like okay, this I is thought, going. I thought this is like just me like go, pulled that out of the my air. My brain going is... back to school. You know, <laughs> cool, nice. All right, so that's awesome. Anyway, Trevor, Trevor, yes. you before we went to air, yes. uh the radio station. Like, all right. So Craig worked with Martin Streak. Yeah, at a little at a little radio station in Toronto for four years as as the DJ, and you credited Martin Streak with breaking your band. Is that true? Is that true? It's true. Absolutely. We did not get a lot of love on Affliction. Uh, uh, That was the album before The Devil You Know. And Martin spun Wicked like crazy at the clubs. Yeah. And then when The Devil You Know came out, he got right behind us. He championed us every turn. I like, yeah, it was devastating to me when he passed. I was just so crushed because this guy... He he like he he showed us Toronto. He taught us how to be a band. Like we were a band, all right. But he like he's like, dudes, 
Like, come on, you got to show up here. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it was just awesome. He was so fun. He was so cool. It was the greatest time, man, hanging out Martin, with him. And Martin yeah. was the best champion for music. He was. He liked any just, music. Yeah. And any he made music. you any music. And he made me feel like, like, because you know how it can be with these record companies and stuff. People just crapping all over your stuff or trying to beat you down or whatever. And he was always like, no, man, no, this is great. And don't. Yeah. Don't let them get to you. Just go, go, go. He was always like that. He always yeah. loved you guys. He always did. Always. Oh, he, yeah. And we loved him back hard, man. We, he was a great friend and, and uh, we miss him dearly. Yeah. 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 Um, we all do for sure. So we, all right. So I like, okay. I know that we already played all that you are. Yeah. Um, that's from the devil, you know, the closing track on devil, you know, is my favorite song from you guys. It's like razor, razor blades and band-aids. And uh, yes. I just find that song devastating. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, it, it, it actually, yeah, that was the intention. That's probably one of the only songs written with vengeance. Um, in, oh, in, there's so much piss and bile in that. I love it. Um, but it's the, the devastating thing about it is, and I know, and I, and I know it's kind of weird to talk about it without playing it, but we're, we're going to, after this, at the end of this interview, we're going to play a brand new song from McConnell and Crush. So just stay tuned for that. But yeah. there's, there's a, the, there's a repeating line in razor blades and bandings. Like I miss you more than words could ever say. And the thing is you, the melody that you wrote to accompany that lyric descends all the way through that phrase. Yes. And the effect is just. It's just heartbreaking because like, you just feel you. Just, I don't know what you went through to write that song, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but so I just wanted to, I just wanted to compliment you on that. Um, Thank you. I, I, yeah. I have a little story about that song was that yeah. um, when we finally got it mixed, I don't know if it was mastered. I don't know if it was. Do you remember a guy named Bob Bloomer? He was like the surreal gourmet. Um, yeah. it, you yeah. know that guy yeah so he had a, he had a house in the hills uh in the hollywood hills and a girl uh alanis morissette slept in the back room while she was making jagged little pill it's a tiny little bedroom and there's an old 1970s stereo in that house that little house on the hill that she would reference all of her songs so oh. my ex-girlfriend was sleeping in that bedroom with uh at, like at bob bloomer's house rented that bedroom out so under the guise that i wanted to hear what razor blades and band-aids sounded like on this stereo i took this song i wrote for her and i put it on and she lit a camel and she sat there on the couch and bawled and oh. i remember i remember hitting stop pulling the cassette out of the thing <laughs> And putting it into the little case and just walking out like it was oh my it's, god it's, it's the only time i've ever done mic drop like that. wow yeah Jeez. it was a bit mad it was a bit nasty but i that was you know that was the, she had crushed me and i needed to respond and the only way i knew how was to write a song and then play it and hopefully it it hit the chord and it did she was like crushed and i was like yes <laughs> Good stuff. Good well Derek. done my turn uh so you so so you guys you guys played um so this is just this is just a quick quick little uh, uh, uh yeah um you played uh in boston god lives underwater stabbing westward and you yes stabbing westward had dancers on that stage yes that's my wife no way I fucking shit you not that and you tour. guys you gave them you guys, you, you said you guys can have the orange and the yellow lights. And then they brought out dancers and you guys, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> you know, that was okay. So that was in Toronto. That wasn't in Boston. I don't think, or was it in Boston too? Boston, I mean, we, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. We, okay. That tour was insane. You know what tours start and you're touring. So it's, it's, it's God lives underwater and us and, um, and the stabbers. And we started going around America. Stabbers are headlining. Um, I think we were the first of three on that. We might've been in the middle. No, we were the first of three because at Roseland in New York, uh, Depeche Mode came down and they wanted to see if they wanted the Stabbing Westward to open for them. Right. And I remember after we finished our set, I went over and Martin Gore said, that was really good. 
Oh, <laughs> nice. And then they, invite, they invited us. To, they'd invited us to an after party, uh, like or to a party. So we went there. And then after that ended, we went to the Bowery Room and watched Fat Boy Slim. Amazing. It was the greatest night. And and Scotty G was drumming. He used to drum in the Cult, but he was in uh, God Lives Underwater. And him, Scotty and I went to the club, to Bowery Room, and I couldn't find him. Bus call was 4 a.m. And I'm like, I got to go. And I'm looking everywhere for him. And I go, he must have left without me. He must have left earlier. So I get I get to the bus, you know, just in time. And the next day, I, I, I don't see him at first. And then later in the day, I see him. And I go, what happened to you? He goes, holy crap, man. I like sat down to pee because I didn't think I could stand. Next thing you know, an Asian lady is smashing me with a mop. I ran out of there. I don't know. <laughs> 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 so he was the last guy in the club basically yeah that's basically it. i think he was the last guy in the club right. and the and the gravity uh kills band was really cool or i mean uh, god lives underwater band was really cool but um they they did they thought they might have had a chance to to get the gig but the stabbers got it uh we weren't yeah. in the running but yeah it was a great it was cool touring with those two bands yeah my wife went to uh she she'll so because stabbing was because she's friends with them so yeah. she got uh uh because stabbing westward got called to do the tour with depeche mode yeah uh, they went um uh walter asked my wife she's like he's like hey you doing anything and she's like no he's like you want to come to new orleans with us nice and hang out with depeche mode and she's like sure. yeah yeah do that. she went sure yeah you'll just do that it's fine not a big well, deal when they played the pond uh i i i phoned my buddy bill kennedy uh he's passed too um but he's a really great producer he worked on fixed and broken he did the original de demo of oh. hey man nice shot and like mm -hmm. if you listen to hey man nice shot demo it's identical and uh so i took bill i i phoned the guys in stavers and i said i was like hey can can i come and see you guys open for depeche he says sure so we got i don't know we had great tickets for right in the middle depeche was great and i remember getting up and turning around and matt sorum was three rows back and he's like yelling at me and bill and he's like hey how come you guys got nice seats and bill goes how come you got all the pretty girls <laughs> ah, nice <laughs> yeah so you you trevor you actually um uh you stopped music for a little while um and if i if if my research is correct you were a psychiatric nurse yes or are a psychiatric nurse I, 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 I am uh, currently not uh, a registered psychiatric nurse. I put my uh, a license on hold while I do the music, but I went back to school. And you know how, like seriously, rock and roll and psychiatric patients, pretty much the same thing. It's pretty you know? much the same. They go hand pretty in much. hand for sure. Kind of <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Or at least and, they eventually do. Yes, eventually. <laughs> So I ended up, yeah. you know, I went to, I went back to school cause I was a little bit freaked out. I had, I had uh, two boys and I was getting divorced and I was like, holy crap, I, I do not want to be an absent father. I want to, I want to look after the kids. I want to, I want to be proactive. So I went back to university and uh, became a psychiatric nurse and yeah, Good it's a, uh, it's, Good a, for it's you. a fun, thank you. It's a fun gig. And I ended up, I, I could not like. I had a lot of, you know, you know, when you've been in charge of your career and you're the guy, so you're the, you know, you get to say like, okay, I think we should do a tour now and do this and blah, blah, blah. I, uh, it was hard to kind of be under the screws of nurses and whatever in the, uh, hospital situation. So I was looking for something different. My mom had passed away from cancer and I ended up taking a job at Chinupawapka Dakota Nation as their home and community care nurse. Where is and that? It's in South west manitoba it's okay. 10 hectares uh the dakota people there did not sign a treaty um so they they are they might get recognized this year i'm good friends with the current chief and uh but i still played music once i got hired and and in the last few years of school every once in a while we'd go and do three or four dates and one of the dates i did was at maxwell's in kitchener and uh one of the guys that was working there he's a filmmaker and he said you do what now and i said yeah I'm, I'm just about finished my psychiatric nursing thing so he they we've got a documentary kind of sitting there a lot of footage where they film me actually working in in the community and with the elders and with the kids and oh it's amazing. called is that is the that going to see sorry go ahead dimitri the documentary is called flatlander yes 
And, uh, and we're just kind of in these final stages of, it's not easy to make a movie. I thought it would be fairly simple. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Pain in the ass. Yeah. So we're kind of in that final, like trying to get the final edit and uh, sound uh, like uh, uh, the score and the um, soundtrack. And I want to I want to work with a lot of indigenous artists for the soundtrack because obviously to give back. And the and the whole premise of the movie is that I came to that community broken. I mean, my mom was my champion. She was the person that really encouraged me in arts. And when she died of cancer, because kind of I wasn't really prepared for that to happen so quickly. I didn't know what to do. And this community, man, like I'm an atheist role in there. And they just sort of, ah, I just don't even know how to describe it. But I went to sweats and the first sweat I ever went to. Do you guys know what a sweat is? Have you been, mm -hmm. do you know what that how, kind of how, what that entails? Well, let us tell us a bit about it. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very small structure, probably in the center. It's maybe four feet off the ground it's traditionally would have been covered with hides from buffaloes and stuff but now we use you know heavy tarps in the center there's a pit draw dug uh they start the the fire say at nine in the morning and they put river rocks in there in the fire and by four or five o'clock we take them out and they're red red hot and you put like 16 stone in there and they close the the door and there's four doors. So each door is a segment of about 20 to 30 minutes where you sing some songs and each one represents a certain part. And, you know, you call your ancestors, you speak with them, you, you make wishes for um, yourself and your community, and then you kind of segue out. It's so hot in there. Like water is pouring off you. You can barely think it's so hot. Wow. And they're throwing spices on the rocks and singing Dakota songs. And there was a moment in there of stillness when I asked my mom, who had passed at that time, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing good? Are you happy? And I felt this finger or feather or something go up my back. And uh, there was nobody within you know, a couple of feet of me. So uh, yeah. And another time I was in there and I heard buffalo go by outside. And then I didn't say anything to anybody because I, I know what a herd of cattle sounds like. Sounded very similar. And this First Nations guy that was in there, he goes, yeah, the ancestors uh, came. I saw the buffalo go by. And I'm thinking in my head, holy crap, I heard that. Like, you know? Yeah. Dude, and we that's go out, freaking awesome, man. And that then I go outside. So cool. I go outside and the snow is pristine. There's not a, there's not a mark. But I heard them crunching awesome. the snow. You, you, felt connect, you felt a connection. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it saved me. It saved me. I, I, and then the elders found out, like, I didn't tell anybody I was in a Conline crush. I didn't tell them I was a musician. They just thought I was some weirdo with long blonde hair at the time. Like <laughs> they didn't have any idea. And so when they found out a couple like it was about a year or so in, they started to do a little research on me and they said, Hey, were you a singer in a bit? Yes. And, um, they go, well, okay, we really appreciate what you're doing here. We really do. Uh, but the creator gave you a gift and like, you can't just turn your back on your gift. I mean, you're doing a disservice to the community. You're doing a disservice to yourself, your family. And really, you know, you had one job, <laughs> basically. You had one yeah. job, Jeff. And it was to move the stick one inch towards source, right? Towards the creator, towards whoever, you know? That's and amazing. Yeah, that's, that mm. was the, that's, the, that's the thing. And so mm -hmm. it encouraged me to get back into music and... uh yeah, I owe a lot to that community. So I'm really hoping Flatlander gets made because it shows just how sweet and wonderful these people are and how much they help me. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. I I just have a what? I just have a few questions, just a few questions before, before we, we go on. Dimitri, okay? one second, one second. Trevor, thank you so much for sharing that yeah. with us. Oh, that yeah, was really cool. That man. was a lot. That was a lot to unload, and that's that's we've had very we've had. Uh, a few conversations with a few people that that dive that deep into themselves and, and their music and stuff so I, I just wanted to say thank you for that oh man well absolutely yes yeah. um but um but but you the, the song that we're gonna the song that we're gonna throw to at the end of this interview um is well we have some heavy things to deal with before we throw to that song and <laughs> and because like and because you have a background as a psychiatric nurse and every and and you've gone through a bunch of stuff 
this this song this song is a is is an in tribute to Dave Sigmund, Dave Ziggy Sigmund. Yes. Your bandmate who 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 passed away and like had a background in in uh substance abuse and addiction. Yes. Uh I think I I I kind of want to get your input on like why do you think that there is such a link between art specifically music but art in general and substance abuse? Well, it's interesting because like when we went, Ziggy came with us when we went to Ashland to try and do some recording with Sylvia. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. Um, but Sylvia was talking about this very thing at the time. And she said, you know, the, she called it the big price of big art. And I think as a psychiatric nurse, I think that as somebody with ADD and a hint of autism, uh, with a healthy dose of depression, we all kind of gravitate towards the arts because ADD, you know, it's a thing that just we're a little bit, I, it, your brain is so active and music and art seems to satiate that, that need for dopamine. It, it, it gives you nice hits, right? Yeah. But you know, oh, there's all that insecurity. You're like on, you're on stage, you know, and oh, it sucked and you're okay. And I, so like, it's just this, and, and there's a thing that comes with ADD that they don't very, talk talk about very much it's uh uh rejection sensitivity dysphoria and what this means is that when a person that has add is told like that sucks it's like something that might stick with them for the rest of their life absolutely like not, yep right yeah and so there's so it's a very strange thing so to anesthetize yourself you tend to do drugs or you kind of want to smooth the edges off so you drink yep. and it and in the music business you know you get a rider every night you get this this yeah, this, this batch of booze it's encouraged <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so and they love it you know and every night you're the you're the host of the party and it just sort of can spiral and the hardest part, I think, is when the party ends, when the train slows down and not so many people are joining you, then there's that whole like coming to terms with where you're at in your career, coming to terms with a lot of stuff. And if you can't make peace with that, yeah, it's a troubling time. And so to get those feelings of exhilaration, you know, you might want to do some up or if to tone it down, it down, you know, it's just, it seems to be part and parcel. Perfect. You want to just perfectly, want to, perfectly explain, Trevor. That's brilliant. yeah, yeah. Thank Do you, you want to just tell us a little, tell us about your friend Dave Siggy Sigmund? Well, let me. We, yeah, man. Like I, eighty sixth Street, in I don't know what year, nineteen ninety. He's playing for the Scramblers, and listen, Scramblers are a cool band, but that guy on stage, like I'm looking this guitar player on stage, right, and I'm like, oh, who is that? You know, and, and, and he was just, he played his guitar like he loved it and hated it at the same time. He beat the crap out of it. He used to call it, I, I'm doing a free form freak out, but it was like, it was just, yeah, I would, I just, I couldn't get over his charisma and I followed him around like probably for six or eight months, like just come on, join my band. And he's like, who are you? Get, stop following us. <laughs> you know, fuck <laughs> <laughs> off, kid. Yeah, basically. And I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then we had this, he, when he was in Art Bergman. Uh, Ooh, Art Bergman. Okay. Right? He was in Art <laughs> Bergman and and uh, we shared the same manager, Frank Wipert. And he was in the office one day and I said, you know, like, dude, we just got back from Europe. We're going to do a brand new record. I'd really love to you to be a part of this. And so he, uh, he joined and uh, yeah, and then we made The Devil You Know. So he's a big yeah. part of the the melodic side of that record, the, the, the hooks, like that's a lot of that is Ziggy's, you know, madman brain just going, what if we did this? You know, <laughs> has, has the, so he passed away. All right. So he was with the Conline crush yep. from 97 to 2002. And then he rejoined in 2010. Yes. He passed away last March, 2022. Yeah. Just as, just as the new album, the Delta, uh when the when the devil drives yeah was getting mixed yes like i actually so ziggy had gone missing um around february we couldn't we didn't know where he was at um he was kind of yeah he was mia and 
at that same time, like going into Chris, Christmas, into the holiday season, I was just, um, I'd got, I, I had received some mixes from a couple of people trying to mix and I was having, so I was really focused on the mix of the record and I wasn't focused on much else. And so Zig was kind of, I guess, you know, sliding pretty fast, but I just didn't, didn't have, like at the time I was just trying to get this record mixed and I couldn't find anybody that I just, this, I go, there's a lot of weird stuff on this record. It like needs the right person to understand the feelings of it. And like a lot of people don't understand feelings. I don't want to deal with your feelings, but I'm like, they need to understand. They need to let. So I phoned my friend, Phil Anderson, who uh, has a studio in Edmonton. And I knew he had done a few of these clinics where they would bring in high, you know, really good mixers or really good producers. And I was like, can you think of anybody that could, and he goes, why not Jack? And I'm like, Jack Joseph Puig? And he's like, yeah. And I go, dude, like, can we just come back to earth? Like, I can't get that guy. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you just send him the songs. So I sent him the songs. Uh, and Phil phones him up and goes, what do you think? What do you think? You know, I think he, he's a good guy. Like, I got a trailer here from a documentary. He's, he's going to be a psychiatrist. He's doing all this stuff. And Jack goes, shh. I know him. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? How does he know me? But in 90, when we made, in 97, when we made Devil, you know, Sylvia took us around to every- Sylvia major, Massey. Yeah, Sylvia Massey took us around to every major producer and every uh, um, studio that was cool. And she just like, I want to show you what Hollywood looks like. And you know, you got to meet Jack. That's what my cases are made. Jack okay. Rack 1, Jack Rack 2. So I went into a studio. We talked for a minute, but I like- I guess I made an impression because he decided to mix the record. So the record's getting mixed. I have this weird feeling, so I don't want to fly to LA to hear the mixes. I know this is whack, but I just had this gut feeling like, do not fly, Trev. And my management's going mental. Uh, you have no bands going mental. Like everybody's like, ah, it's gonna be like, what do you mean you're gonna drive? I'm gonna drive. So I drive there. We get to the hotel. I get to the hotel, uh, the next day at 1130, we're having a lobby call and then we're taking an Uber or whatever over to Jack's house. And we're going to listen to the record at 1115. My insurance company phones and says, Hey, we found, uh, your motorhome in, uh, Vancouver. Uh, isn't it, is it stolen? And I'm like, no, uh, she goes, you should report it stolen. I go, I don't want to report it stolen. I don't want the person that's using that to get in trouble. She goes, okay, take these numbers down. So I take these numbers down. There's a police report. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I got to get going. Um, I got an appointment here right away. So thank you for letting me know. I'll, uh, is that an impound yard? Okay, I'll get it fixed. And, da, da, da. and then she goes, Mr. Hurst, we found a body inside the vehicle. Man, oh. and I hit, the, I hit the floor, man. Like I did. I, 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 I just, it was really awful. And I knew who it was. I go, did you find any ID? Did you see what the, the, no, we can't, I can't comment, sir. I can't comment, sir. I can't comment, sir. And, um, and then I went to Jack's and I walked into Jack's and I said, Hey, something really serious happened. And I, I, I just lost my best friend and, and, uh, my partner. And, and then I just start crying and Jack just, oh. Jack, just Jack, Jack, Jack was a really wicked human being in that moment and he talked about stuff and then we kind of he slowly took me over to the record there's a song on the record called stars don't shine and he said man i was really struck by the lyric stars don't shine like you do because i know it seems like you might think it's generic or whatever but he goes that must be a hell of a person that you think shines brighter than stars. And I don't know if he's just doing yeah. that to get me from, to stop from breaking down. And I said, well, I wrote it about my wife. Like I've kind of been disappointing to her sometimes. And uh, I really wanted her to know that I value her beyond whatever. And Jack's like, well, I think it's beautiful. Do you want to start with that one? And I said, sure. And so it's pretty painful for him, I'm sure. But after every song, pretty much I was, you know, a, a, a puddle, but yeah. Oh my gosh, to hear your music mixed by that man and his studio over his speakers with his gear, it's like heaven. It's like the greatest thing. So in this moment of just beautiful music, I, I lose my friend, uh, you know, at the same day, it was such a weird dichotomy. And, yeah. But I'm glad I drove down because I slowly made my way back to Canada. I'd stopped at the side of the road. I would get mad. I would get sad. I would do whatever it took. 
but I had to process that before I got back to my family. Absolutely. You did. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, it's hard, but you know what? He's with us. I'd like, I find picks in the weirdest spots. I find (laughs) seriously, like I, I, you know, and I don't know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, didn't have a lot of faith before I went to Chinupuapka, but when I went there, I got some, and I truly believe that Zig is with me and his energy surrounds us all and his love and his kindness that, you know, maybe wasn't as present near the end of his life, but I know who he is. I know who he was and he was the greatest guitar player in my mind that I've ever worked with. Thanks for that. Honestly, Trevor, thank you so much for that, brother. Well, yeah, it really means uh, a lot. Sorry, Dimitri. Um, I I do have a question uh, for you if if I may. Um, This ties back into when you were talking about a lot of the influences that you had. I was wondering if you might be able to talk about some of your earliest influences because at the time, you know, um, skinny puppy and, and ministry didn't yeah. exist. Right. So I was yeah, wondering yeah. if we could start there because I do have actually have a question for you in regards to Econoline crushes sound that I was kind of alluding to after we finished playing uh, all that you are. Well, when I was in high school, I, I grew up in a town called Verdon, Manitoba. It's like got about, at the time, probably 3000 people. There's like no, nobody there. That's like going to be like all music, but there was one punk rocker and there mm-hmm. was one punk rocker. And he introduced me to Black Flag. He introduced me to Raw Power. He introduced me to Killing Joke. He introduced me to the early U2. And, uh, and he also introduced me to this record by a guy named Jean-Michael Jarry called Oxygen. Oh, oh Oxygen, was, really? Yeah, 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 of course. You guys know that record? Yeah. Oh, yeah of course. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant so, record, yeah. yeah. So that, like, like, I would listen to that. I would listen and a lot of my peers were listening to, you know, Black Sabbath, whatever they were, but it didn't speak to me like this kind of punky alternative stuff did. Like I, I identified with it and I, I loved eighties music. I loved eighties music, but I felt like it just didn't finish. It didn't have enough. So a Conlon crush is basically eighties music with some, some testosterone, you know? Right. And that's what I wanted to ask you. So, a Connelline Crush, one of the things that I've always adored about you guys, you have this wonderful foothold in electronic music. Like I've heard, I, like I'll be, I'll be straight up honest with you, I know your discography well, so I've heard everything from Giorgio Moroder to um, Kraftwerk to Trent Reznor to, you know, basically most of the Wax Tracks label uh, to stabbing westford oh at um you know a lot of uh, sort of offshoot artists rob zombie all of those types of things like it's amazing a lot of the sounds that you would come out with were incredible and there were sounds that i'd never heard before even though i like i love my industrial music i'm an industrial music fanatic so what like it was that on i guess my question to you is was that on purpose or was it just a happy accident that you managed to have this great foothold like i say in electronic music and marry it essentially with with your guitars and and your voice it was it was intentional and and what i always used to kind of it would be so crazy when we, we would bring in like michael balch worked on some of our stuff so he did uh he he worked on jesus christ christ built my hot rod and uh for ministry and, and a number of things uh, Reese Fulber worked on our stuff. He's of from course. Frontline Assembly. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And so these keyboard guys, they're like, you know, you can never use the same sound twice. Like they are just so, you know, uh, creative. And then we got into this whole thing with Sylvia. Like she has carts and carts of pedals. So we're running things through pedals and we're doing like anything to make it original mm-hmm. and samples. Like at a, and I remember by going to NRG one time with Sylvia to do a transfer of some kind of transfer or something. So we had the day there and, uh, bomb is it the owner, he produced uh, Papa Roach's, uh, you know, my life got oh, last resort. Last yeah. resort. Yeah. Last resort. So, uh, you know, he talked about Rob Zombie, like sitting in there for hours with horror movies and going oh, and sampling like little screams or little sounds or creaks yeah. of doors and all the foliage. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a little sounds like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we were doing that as well. Like, we we're like, you know, if I was watching TV late at night, sometimes I always had a handheld recorder with me because if there was something weird that came on, I'd be like, 
quickly start like recording the TV to see if anything came across that that sounded super cool that we could use later. You know, it was it was fun. It was very creative time in music. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Oh man, brilliant. you're I just, just you're freaking awesome, Trevor. I just want to. I can talk to you for another three hours here. Well, <laughs> Dimitri, go. it's it's on it's on the verge of June. It's on the verge of June, Trevor. Yeah, and you're a very busy man next month. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, lady, uh, all our listeners out there, uh, if you want to catch Colin Crush and Powell River, they're they're June first, which is Thursday, and then next night Nanaimo at the Queens, and then the next night Victoria at Upstairs Cabaret, June eighth Hamloops at Blue Ro- Blue Grotto, June tenth. Rossland, BC, the Flying Steam Shovel. June 11th, the Cranbrook Hotel in Cranbrook, BC. June 13th, all right, you're moving into Alberta, okay? Bows at Bows and Red Deer on June 13th. Dick and Pubs in Calgary the next night. The next night, the Starlight Room in Edmonton. We know people in Edmonton that might want to go there. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then uh, the next night, White Court, Alberta, Party in the Park Festival. Yeah, and then June twenty third, the Waverly Hotel in Cumberland, BC, and then you wrap that up. Well, unless you're going to correct me about the, if this yeah. is not wrapping it up, but like the Pearl in Vancouver on June twenty four. Yeah, and that's just the first little kind of run to kind of get our our legs back under us and see, you know. Did you first? Uh, did you say first little? It's <laughs> like, like a solid <laughs> month of touring. Wow. Oh come on, these guys, these guys, come on. <laughs> we we toured back in the day man like in in uh, at the height of it it was 250 shows a year minimum like yeah. we we worked back as hard as back. we could yeah back and i love i love it i love it i love it so um yeah we're just going to do this run and then there's a bunch of stuff that we're kind of trying to book in august so i think july might be a break but who knows i keep just saying fill it fill it fill it and um and then in the fall I ho- i'm hoping to get to the east coast again it's been a very long time and and all and then we're going to start into the states and then we'll see what happens from there but i love playing live and i love doing it night after night so you can get kind of like because when a band has played for like a couple months there's space between the notes man you get so yeah. tight that you can wiggle and yeah. pull and like oh it's fun oh it's fun i love and that. you guys so, so yeah conaline crush play when you guys play live it's exactly that yeah right from like so i've I've seen you guys play a few times and and every time i see you guys play i'm like these guys are so yeah (laughs) he he said tight and the the excitement your excitement (laughs) like it's amazing to see you too trevor like just talking about these stories like you're just you know sometimes you just you're like you got this energy that's bottled up and it's it's infectious like we we know how much you love this game and how much you know it means to you and and all i can say is that that person that was on the reserve that that basically told you you've been given a gift and you got to get back at it brother i mean they are absolutely 100% right like a conaline crusher like a public utility as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah. so you know like the, you guys got to get back at it so it i i think it's just fantastic you're uh, you're doing what you're can doing you, so. can you give us a, a can you give us a yell when you guys are coming back around toronto absolutely because i would love to hang definitely oh man i would love to hang with you guys and like the thing is about this is is that you go through phases and i think you know i've made my peace with um some of the some of the not so great experiences back in the day and when you come at this business with gratitude and you realize the privilege you have to to maybe distract somebody for you know three minutes and 20 seconds or maybe distract somebody for full 45 or or get them to pay come and see you play live and they they can have that night where it's just like they don't think about anything but just having a good time that's a gift it just like that that elder told me Mm -hmm. and it's like if you can come at this business with gratitude be grateful for the opportunity to do this it changes everything and i'm so grateful that like at this stage of the game that i get to come back and play shows that you know, it changes everything and it makes you so much more, I don't know, like happy and buzzed yeah. and like I'm excited. And you probably see a lot of the people like us bringing their kids to see yes. you at your shows. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A whole new generation checking out a Kano Crush. So that's great, man. Yeah. Brother, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you so, so thank much. Thank you. Like, yeah, you're, thank you. Oh, you're awesome. 
That's <laughs> awesome. I swear. We man, killed you an back. hour. You can come back next week we if you want. <laughs> we killed some, he's busy. He's busy. Did, in he's on tour next week. That's right. He's on tour next week. That's right. Yeah. So thank you, Craig. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your perspectives and sharing your and sharing your grief journey because i think that that's a very important thing to share and uh we're going to and we're going to end with your brand new song no quitter which you wrote about ziggy yeah uh, dave dave ziggy sigmund and um did was there ever a cause of death um uh, found um no it's kind of like um yeah we don't know the exact cause of death the unfortunate fact is that he was found you know in the motorhome in the downtown east side um he might have been there for a couple weeks um oh, well, yeah bad. so Sorry we just we just no no it's, it, it, so we just we just don't know and the fact is like no quitter is is a song that was written before he passed there is a song in the record called locked in your stone which will maybe be the final single for the record that i i went back after his passing and put that together and it's uh that's that's the song that's written absolutely about ziggy's passing this one is about what i used to say to ziggy all the time like look dude we're no quitters like we'll just keep going and going and going yeah and so that's the essence of this song fantastic buddy. thank and you if i may say really quickly too, trevor we interviewed our friend uh gord depp from spoons from the yeah. spoons and i have to say between you and him you guys have the greatest freaking hair in rock and roll right now <laughs> like well, my hair my fullest. hair sucks right at least and the I'm, fullest right well, so well, well yesterday uh i started the day with hairdo uh like like i was here. gonna ask okay so i was gonna ask you so did yeah. you just get it chopped recently i just got because yeah, because what were you gonna say I said all your promo, all your promo is you with you've got long yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so okay. I, can I just do the, tell you this one quick thing? And I know I'm sorry to take up but um do you remember when Billy Idol did Whiplash Smile or whatever it was? <laughs> and he did the little he did the little dreads, like he did the little Oh my face. god. Oh, oh that was a that remember? was cyberpunk. 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 Okay. Yeah. So he did that, right? And you're like all of us are like <laughs> 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 <So>. <laughs> when 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 the guys were saying like listen you know uh, we love you uh the social media team the the uh, marketing team and they're like but people would really like to see you look like you and i'm like oh, me. they're like no you more you if you had a little and so i was like you know what i remember how i felt about that billy idol record and i was pretty upset so yeah <laughs> i cut my hair Cut my hair. Do it right now. That's do it right fucking now. Okay, do me a favor. Give me the hair that I had in sure in the surefire video. That's what, that's what I want. That's, that's what we want. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Oh, brother. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, Trevor, you, so thank much you so much for uh, thank you so much for being You're here. Awesome. You're awesome. Oh, um, thank you guys, man. It's 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 great to talk to you. And I and I'll come back for sure. I'll, please, honestly, please do. we'll come do this again. Excellent. We have we appreciate you coming by and 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 thanks for uh, we killed in a whole hour we normally don't do that we apologize for taking up so much of your time uh, it's a pleasure it was a goddamn hoot and and very very insightful yeah to yeah absolutely right there for sure thanks really trevor great. we really we appreciate it brother thanks so All right, much you guys. dimitri so yeah up. so uh yeah so uh but yeah there's lots of opportunities to see a, a conline crush live in the west in the west uh, western part of canada and we'll so we're just going August. to we'll come see you in august done okay that so you give heard us him. a yell you send him. us an email do a thing let's go yeah. yep, so you go. just heard trevor promise that so we're gonna <laughs> hold him to it gonna hold him to it and, <laughs> and if he's uh, not here in august we're gonna go get him <laughs> but thank you so much thank you so much trevor from econline crush uh this is the brand new econline crush track called no quitter and this is gonna and this is gonna be just one of the songs that you're gonna hear on the upcoming album when the devil drives thank you so much for joining us trevor the on uh, canadians fuck in partnership with crier media thank thanks you. a lot trevor take care i
it's okay Just that kind of day Spending all my time thinking how I'm gonna pay The bank, the bills, the rent, the pills Alimony, sad story, was a closing in on Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.